What is up, fantasy people? You are back with the True North Fantasy Pod. We are proud members of the Fantasy Points Media Group, of course. I am Trav. I'm chilling in the familiar confines of Dirty Laundry Studios. Co-hosting in West Coast and tonight and every other night is Tyrell McLaughlin. How you living, buddy? Living good. You know, I did lots of epilepsy research today. How you living? I'm living good, man. I'm living good. I put it out on Twitter, actually, that uh, my oldest daughter does have epilepsy. And anybody listening to the True North pod, that is uh, fake news about what's going on with Justin Fields. So a little PSA right off the top, Ty. I like how you uh, how you sparked that. And of course, we got the sun shining out here on the West Coast. The draft's about a week away. So I guess you could say shit's getting pretty serious and, and we're getting pretty excited over here at the True North pod. But uh, our guest. Absolutely. That's what I was just going to say. Our guest tonight, completing the Fantasy Points three-peat, so to speak. That would be three episodes in a row with uh, fellas from the team over at Fantasy Points. This is an NFL and college football analyst at FantasyPoints.com, putting in tons of work on the YouTube channel, as well as with some of the most detailed player profiles that I have ever read, Ty. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at WestHuberNFL. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Wes. How you doing tonight, man? Doing great, brother. And uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I can always uh, spare some time to talk about some football, so I'm looking forward to the show. Beauty. No, I can't. I can't imagine how busy you are like this time of the year. So seriously, Trav and I were just so thrilled uh, to get you on the program because the draft lead up pocket, uh, like you mentioned, Trav, it's almost coming to a head here. We're only seven sleeps away, and. So far, we've talked a lot about this rookie class, like quite a bit, but and we've had some spectacular guests. However, we've kind of talked a lot about topics closer to the top of the draft, focusing mostly on some of the higher end names or the most polarizing guys or tiers in rookie drafts. Um, so our plan for tonight is to talk about, you know, a bunch of wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks too, maybe tight ends. But we're going to narrow our focus a little bit and shed the light on some of the names we should know, but haven't been able to talk enough about trying to highlight some outliers and fantasy flyers. Um, I think it's really important part of the process, right? Every year, it's how we identify running backs like Antonio Gibson, even a James Robinson, how you get free values on folks like Darnell Mooney in a rookie draft. And uh, that's not to say we're going to just be doing Dave Matthews deep tracks tonight. Like we have some exciting stuff to mix in. We plan to ask Wesk about like Devontae Smith, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Diami Brown, Kadarius Tony, Kenneth Gainwell, Trey Sermon, the quarterback. So a bunch of stuff we've been dying to ask Wes about. But my point is, Trav, having Wes on, it behooves us, I think, to take this opportunity, try and sift through some of the, the tougher tiers beyond the big boys and uh, get into the weeds a little bit, at least at running back and wide receiver. Trav, if you don't mind, uh, I'm actually just going to keep talking about Wes and pretend like he isn't here for a second because... There is so much I would want our listeners to know about Wes. Like, why is he one of the best guys to have these conversations with? Uh, well, he knows these prospects really well. He is one of the top Debbie dishers in the industry. And folks might have been turned on to Wes's work at FantasyPoints.com. But if folks don't know, before Fantasy Points, he was with PFF uh, as the director of their special teams analysis. So kind of the uh, the John Harborough or Bill Belichick of the of the fantasy industry. Also one of the OG graders for PFF. And I was telling him before, before the show, this was all simultaneously while he was doing ridiculously robust work uh, at the college football level in the dynasty circles for fantasy. Um, and the resume, in my opinion, I think it's like the tip of the iceberg because Wes, 
you hold some pretty good power. Like you vote for both the Blitnikoff and the Patrick Minnelli awards, which are given to the top wide receiver in the nation uh, and the top long snapper in the nation respectively, which I gotta say, like the contrast there is kind of hard for me to wrap my head around. The Blitnikoff just seems like the most awesome award ever conceived. And the long snapper one seems like, you know, a raffle at a, at a yacht club. Uh, it just, it would, doesn't do it for me. I don't know what to say. And that's coming from a Canadian here whose whole country just celebrated the retirement of a long snapper, uh, whose name I still can't even attempt per, uh, to pronounce. Trav, do you know his name? Um, I, uh, I can't even think of who you're talking about right now. What's, uh, it's really French. Is and, it? uh, my Damn. point there is I'm not good with about, pronunciation, uh, so I get it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not trying to even, uh, prop up this French Canadian long snapper. I'm just saying that it's really cool that Wes gets to vote, uh, for those awards. And speaking of awards, Wes, you and Scott actually are last week's guests for that matter, uh, are two of the five nominees for a pretty big award in the fantasy industry. And you guys host a pretty incredible podcast lately. You guys are just dissecting the NFL draft and more. Uh, so it's wild how much work you do in the Debbie world. But that is in addition uh, to you also being nominated for DFS Writer of the Year. Um, so just crushing it in what I would call like the two most convoluted worlds in the fantasy universe. So I was hoping before we dive in, could you just let people know what you offer in terms of DFS content, maybe uh, spill the beans on, you know, some smear campaign plans you have to run against Wes in this awards campaign or against Scott, sorry, in this awards campaign. And uh, I was also just wondering if it's hard to make that transition each year uh, going from the, the Debbie circles into the DFS world. No, it's, it's the same thing. You know, I, I, I'm, I spend too much of my time watching football and well, I shouldn't say too much because it, it's what I enjoy doing. I jump out of bed in the morning knowing, you know, what player I'm going to look at that day. And I'm excited. I, I dive into the film. I spend the first, you know, three, four hours of each day looking at somebody and it's, it's, it's a passion, you know, and, and, but, but then I can also now, now over the past year, I, I've been able to say, you know what, it's a passion, but it's also, it's my career, you know, and when I was at PFF, it was, it was similar, but it wasn't related to fantasy, which is the reason I got into the role at PFF. And, you know, they, they kind of forced me away from fantasy and they, they kind of forced me to, to, to dive into actually learning more about the game and, it's something that I'll always appreciate and be thankful for because it it changed my perspective on everything and allowed me to to look at things a little bit differently than than I would have as a as a fantasy only guy. And and you know you mentioned Scott and uh, the 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 finalist for the the DFS award and I mean I was just blown away by all that I, I wasn't expecting that at all I mean it was, it, it just, it took me by surprise and to be nominated next to Scott is just ridiculous. He's a guy who's been in the industry so much longer than I have. I, you know, I did some work back in the day, some college work, but that, that was just a short period of time. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that I did, uh, uh, you know, full-time for PFF. So it was, uh, it was, it, it was, a, it was a great honor to be nominated along the guys that I was. And, I, I'll, you know, of course, I look at it as as something that I'm very thankful for. But at the same time, it, it's 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 not my drive. I'm not I'm not trying to uh, 
to better anybody or to compete with anybody. So, so um, I, and, and to be honest with you, I hope Scott wins an award soon because I definitely don't want to win one before he does. He's, he's put so much time into, into this industry and uh, he deserves some recognition for his efforts, but, you know, looking at, looking at the, uh, uh, you know, the opportunity at PFF and, and, and just, you know, like you mentioned that the college stuff, which I'm blown away that they, you actually remember, I don't hear about that very often um, because it was so long ago, but uh it, it was it was a lot of uh, a lot of work that I put in there, and I know I knew it was a, ni- a niche crowd, and and uh, you know you 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 have the Debbie and you have the the college fantasy side, which are are two in two side two corners of the industry that I love, and uh, the guys the guys that that are passionate about those things are are, are guys that you that you uh, that you know are, are are dedicated to some football, so. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's this is the kind of stuff that 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 gets me out of bed in the morning. That's awesome, man. And I think uh, I think that move to full time with fantasy points was semi recent as well. It was Wes. Uh, yeah. So congratulations on that, man. That's really cool. That's uh, that's the dream, buddy. You're living it. Wake up in the morning and spend some time watching film. That's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> and Ty, that uh, that long snapper was LP La Douceur. That's uh, <laughs> that's the French, but yeah. uh, on, on the all of our French Canadian listeners now. <laughs> Sorry, no. Roberto Luongo. <laughs> no, I was doing it justice. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but since we were on the topic of Wes's con- uh, content, I obviously mentioned that we we're a part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, which obviously we're thrilled to be a part of. But the partnership isn't just for us, Ty. It extends to all of our loyal listeners as well, because if you're listening to this and you want to take the plunge into soaking in fantasy content from some of the best minds in the fantasy industry, fantasypoints.com has you covered. they got a ton of resources on the website for all of us fantasy gamers, including rankings, articles, uh, tons of DFS tools and resources, a bunch of uh, leaderboards and stat databases, uh, and of course, the brand new draft guide app. Um, which includes Greg Cosell's prospect profiles, a staff mock draft from all of the uh, all the sharks that, uh, of course, make up the fantasy points team, as well as Wes, your Debbie ranks and, and a bunch more stuff on there. Um, so there is an app for that, which is really cool because you don't see that often with draft guides and fantasy content. So I love that you guys did that. Um, and as a True North listener, you can head over to fantasypoints.com and use our promo code 21TrueNorth10 to get 10% off the whole kit and caboodle. So you get 10% off everything. The premium subscription is usually 125 bones, which is a steal in itself. Uh, but right now there's an early bird for 20% off. So you get that 20% and then the promo code 21TRUENORTH10 with all caps will get you another 10% off that, which is 10% closer to getting the edge you need to embarrass your league mates. So uh, go soak that up because it's killer stuff coming out. And uh, we're, we're thankful to be able to have people from that team on the show and kind of share their content with the True North listeners. Um, and Ty, I know that uh, I've been yammering a little bit here, but since we're here, I'm going to go full send Wes, and this is the last one, and we're going to start diving in, my man. But I want to announce a listener-exclusive contest for anybody listening to the show up until the end of the draft. Um, I'm not going to advertise this on Twitter. I'm going to make it just listener-exclusive. So um, what we're going to do is anybody who goes and signs up at Fantasy Points with our promo code, please send us proof that you did so and you will be entered into a draw to win some true north swag so you can see behind me the t-shirt uh the fantasy points team has their merch with viridian global which is where ours is from so if you sign up with our promo code 
send us proof in the DMs and we will put you into a draw for some True North merch and we will draw that after the draft is concluded. So the promo code 21TrueNorth10, all caps, at fantasypoints.com. Okay, Wes, so you've been sitting there listening to us talk. I'm going to kick off the running backs. Um, it's going to be... It's going to be a good discussion, but I did uh, looking at your con, <laughs> looking at your content, um, and, and kind of soaking in what what you do. Um, I noticed that athleticism and measurables are kind of a big piece of the puzzle for you, um, especially in the Debbie world. That's a big piece of the evaluation there. So I want to tap into some of the the testing that you look for at this time of the year. Um, everyone has their own opinion, of course, on the underwear Olympics, the combine. Obviously, we didn't have that. Um, but let's that tr let's trim that down to what the must-haves are. So I want to know, Wes, what drills should we be caring about this time of year? Let's say even if the combine was going, um, and then maybe after that, why don't you elaborate on what the hell we do with just having pro day numbers? Um, over to you, my man. Well, yeah, the one question I forgot to answer previously was about the the Bolitnikov and the Manley Award. Yes, and yeah, I mean that it was a it was an opportunity. I, you know, I was originally a, a Bolitnikov voter, and then and then I guess my membership ran out. I'm not sure. And then they contacted me again. They're like, "How are you not voting for us?" And I was like, "You know what? I don't know. So let's do it again." Uh, so that was great. And then you know, of course, I, I had the opportunity as the special teams. Uh, director at PFF to to do the Manley thing, and I worked I worked alongside Manley and Kevin Gold to uh, to help set that up. So cool, um, yeah. I mean, it, and and I'll be honest with you, I don't remember the all the names that I look at when I'm, when I'm going through my voting. I, I kind of look at it from a lens of of, of a very um, yeah, I, just setting the names aside and just looking at the numbers, looking at the snaps. And, and then I'm like, okay, who is that guy? And that's the guy I like. And who cool. is that guy? You know? So, but then, you know, I kind of forget right after, right after I vote. So I don't know the guys' names or anything, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I put a lot of work into bringing some recognition to the, to the athleticism and, and to the, the technique of the long snappers and, uh, you know, just trying to, trying to recognize the fact that, that you have to be a top athlete. You have to be a top uh, it, it's, it's more than just snapping the ball an extra distance, but as far as, as far as the, the pro day and, you know, it's obviously not the combine and that's unfortunate. And I think that a lot of the pro day measurements that we do get are being discounted way too much because let's, let's look at a few things. So, um, if you look at the, the, the measurements of a player's body, exactly the same. If you look at the three cone, you look at the, the, the shuttle, the, the pro shuttle, uh, the vertical and the broad jump, we're talking the exact same protocol. There is no difference. Mm -hmm. The only difference is with our 40 time. So we're not really <laughs> losing out on that much right now. It's just the 40 time, especially when we're talking about running backs, because who cares what 40 yard dash they run? Yeah. Now, if they run a fast 40, great. That's good because we know th that's something that we need to pay attention to. I don't care what they run. If they run a, if they run a five something 40 yard, I'm thinking, okay, if they've got the college production to back it up, then I think that there's been an issue with the timing in that 40 right because we know they're not using the lasers and things but the th with running backs the thing i like to look at more than a 40 time i just throw the 40 times out unless they're really good if they're mm -hmm. really good then i pay attention 
the one that I like to look at are the 10 yard and the 20 yard splits. So with any, with any, you know, there's, there's a trend out there to, to kind of build these, these different measurements where we're looking at speed scores, where we're looking at, you know, where we're combining multiple things into a category. I'm not, I'm not in that group because you can use these measurements by themselves. And yes, there may not be as much correlation to looking at a certain group of players and saying, oh, this many guys did this, this many guys. There may not be that, but okay, let me, sh- let me, let me explain how an NFL team is going to go into the, the combine or a pro day and how they're going to use those numbers. They're going to build thresholds and they're going to look If this guy doesn't do, if he doesn't run his, or he doesn't, you know, run his, his pro shuttle in this amount of time, or if he doesn't do his three cone in this amount of time, he's off my board. And, and, but, and then they'll look be the reason that they do that. If they run that time faster than the that amount, then they know the percentages say that we can reduce our, um, uh, what do you excuse room me for error kind of room for error yeah we reduce the 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 if we're going to spend this pick on this player then we know that we're we're going to get at least a percentage of guys are going to succeed for us right mm-hmm. and that's the thing that they're trying to do and they'll eliminate certain players based off of that so we can do the same thing with our measurements from the combine or from the pro day so with 20 times, you look at a time, you want to see a time that's a that's faster than 2.63 seconds. If we if we get that, we see an increase of 20% of total yards per season based off of hit the historical perspective. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And that, that's it running back, of course. I'm I'm talking about yeah. running backs here. Yeah, so sure. another thing that you can use though is wingspan. And I don't know why it's this way, but a, a certain number of wingspan and, and you get, okay. So speaking of some, a guy in this draft, Najee Harris, he measured out with a six foot eight inch wingspan. I mean, mass. <laughs> yeah. That's nuts. <laughs> 81 inch. So the only, the only guys that compare are actually former Alabama running backs, Derek Henry, Bo Scarborough, Alvin Kamara. Um, huh. it, it, it just makes no sense. Anderson Another Silva. guy. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Anderson Silva, yeah. yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say, I bet those guys give good hugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if, ahead, you, if, if if a, a wingspan above the 80th percentile, you get 22 percent more touches per season historically, right? Hmm. And and then another guy from this class that that falls into that category, Trey Sermon, who is also in the group of guys below 2.363 seconds on the, uh, the, the, the 20 time, another guy, and, and we're going to talk about him again later is Elijah Mitchell. And another is a Travis Etienne with the six fastest time of the last eight seasons. So the other thing I like to look at with running backs is the three cone drill. Now, again, you look at, you, if you take every running back and you combine them into a group you're, and then you try to draw out what, what, uh, they produce actually in the NFL, you're not going to get much because we're, we're pretty much, we're bunching a bunch of, we're putting a bunch of players together that 
a lot of them aren't even going to be on the active roster from day one. A lot of them are just going to be fighting for a practice squad spot. But if we look at the guys who are actually getting that, you know, into the into the uh, the team and and sliding in there, um, there's there's a there's a notable thing that we can that we can pull out. So guys like, for example, Christian McCaffrey obviously ran a six point five seven in two thousand seventeen. Then we have you know Aaron Jones and and with a six eight two. So what we're looking at in the three cone above the seventy fifth percentile, that and that's again another twenty percent twenty percent more total yards per season over the last eight years. And we can go back further than eight years. And I've, I've looked into that. It's, it's harder to find like the 20 yards, the 20 yard splits and the 10 yard splits. So I, I, I don't, I don't dig too deep into that, but so from the 21 class, Jake Funk and, and Trey Sermon are two guys that, that fell into that category. And it but, sounds uh, like Trey Sermon is stacking some of these, uh, you know, higher predictive uh, metrics. It's interesting. And just on the wingspan thing, like anecdotally on the other end of that spectrum, you just notice a lot of guys with smaller wingspans uh, usually lacking that home run speed and things like that. I also wanted to ask just with some of these, uh, with some of these tests, like I think of the broad jump is something that I also look at because it really is predictive of at least matching with what you saw on the tape when it comes to explosiveness or, you know, a lot of this goes back to, that secret code at running back. We want that lower body strength. Uh, do you agree with that? And is that kind of what a lot of this points back to with these running backs? Well, you took that right out of my mouth. The broad jump is the other one I look at for running backs measuring above the 65th percentile. So, okay. So for the vertical, we don't really get a whole lot of, we can't really draw too much out of it. I, I, I think it's one of the, one of the categories that can be thrown out for running backs, but with the broad jump, yes, above the 65th percentile. So with the vertical, we just need them to fall above the 50th percentile. And that's just too many guys, Yeah. but above the 65th percentile, that's where it's at. That's the group that includes your Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, Chris Carson, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, McCaffrey, Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, James Robinson. It, you get, and then this is, this is significant. You get a 30% uh, you get 30% more average total yards per season from the last eight draft classes. And falling inside that group from the 21 draft class, we have Elijah Mitchell, Etienne, Trey Sermon, Javante Williams, and Jake Funk. Now, Jake Funk, he's <laughs> he's one guy that that I think is, is I mean, I, he blew away his pro day, but he's also a guy that had multiple knee injuries. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, we would need to uh, – It's I've not looked into his tape. Uh, Edwin Poros, Dr. Edwin Poros is a guy that we would need to tap into there sure. because, you know, he's he knows a lot more about those types of injuries with the other guys. We don't have those types of ACL injuries. So, um, yeah, that that's something to look into. Yeah, I think uh, I think at the least he's going to be on the all-name team because you got to have that funk for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into some of these players. We uh, we mentioned that we're going to talk about Kenny Gainwell, and lo and behold, we're going to kick this bad boy off with Kenny Gainwell. I think the question, Wes, with Gainwell is whether he can handle being the main runner for an NFL team as opposed to just being a receiving back. And when you look at the stats, he didn't play in 2020. Uh, in 2019 with An Antonio Gibson and Patrick Taylor, who Patrick Taylor was getting a lot of work previous to, to 2019 as well. Um, PT Cruiser. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gainwell came in and he had around 230 carries for over 1400 yards and 13 touchdowns. Um, and I think in his favor in the can he be a runner question, 37% of his carries and over a quarter of his yards were on rushes up the gut. Um, and over half of his yardage came after contact. So I think that speaks well to him being able to play above his size. So I like Gainwell as a runner. Um, Ty, kind of, I, I think about it kind of how you liked uh, Tony Pollard when he was coming out, uh, the Memphis uh, Memphis running back shop there. Um, but Wes, I want you to tell us what you think about Kenneth Gainwell and whether he can be the guy at the next level. Okay, so he's a one-cut guy. Uh, you know, one of the one of the knocks on him that I that I instantly wrote down is he doesn't have the type of patience that you see for for a gap scheme. And by gap scheme, I mean like uh, where you have a pulling guard coming in front. He doesn't have that patience to wait for that pulling guard right. to get out in front of him to set up his block. He's the kind of guy who's sprinting to his gap. So and and you know. It, that that does limit the possibilities, but you know what? The NFL teams that are going to want a running back to fit into a gap scheme are going to instantly see that. Like you'll never see Oklahoma go out and recruit a guy like Kenneth Gainwell. They'll they'll mark him off the list right away mm-hmm. because they want to see a guy like Trey Sermon, like Kennedy Brooks, somebody that's going to wait for their block, confident in what they can do as soon as that block is set, because yeah. he needs to wait until that block until that block hooks up to hit right off his ankles and right. and that's not something you see with Kenneth Gainwell now he's best suited to his zone scheme so obviously if he's not a gap he's a zone and he's so he he he's okay with like front side pulls where a front side guard pulls out in front of him because it happens so quickly but he's not going to wait for the big guys to get out in front of him he's also right. an excellent receiver i think everybody in the world knows that by now mm-hmm. um and you know he he to take that a step further he's probably the best running back in this class at lining up for in the slot now yeah. he did line up out wide some, but I don't see him doing that in the NFL. He's not gonna he's not gonna pull off that stuff that he did against Tulane uh, in the NFL. It's not happening. Um, so Wes, I have a quick question. Like when you look at someone like Kenneth Gainwell, because I totally like his receiving production almost and his price in fantasy. I think I'm not sure it'll get to a point where a lot of this rushing upside might come as a bonus, anyways. But my question is, what I'm really attracted to is that 2.39 yards per route run in 2019. Yeah. Would you attribute that to him going out uh, into the slot and even right out to the perimeter sometimes? Is that some ways that a guy like Kenny Gainwell could actually inflate his yards per route run, which is a stat that I really like to look at for receiving backs? It is, and and, and normally I'm I'm all over that. Because, you know, you look back at like McCaffrey, he put up like four or something. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, he was uh, his, his first year as a, with a with a big role at Stanford. He put up a massive yards per out run. But, uh, you know, so I mean, we know that that's significant. And I think I think that that more than anything, that tells us that Kenneth Gainwell is going to be a receiving option in the NFL and he's going to produce. I think, I think absolutely. But I think that we can get, we can get a little overwhelmed with that number based off of the competition that he's facing. Um, You know, he's, he's not going up against, uh, you know, with, when you're playing in the power five, you're playing against guys that are, they're young, but they're, they're, they're going to be in the NFL at least, 
uh, a big chunk of them. You know, they may not get drafted, but they're going to fall into the practice squad and, and such and such. Yeah. So, you know, th- at least we know that about them. Not, not everybody, obviously, but, but a lot of the guys that, that play, that play a considerable amount, but with, with group of five, now I don't want to discount the group of five completely, but I, I, it's this, their odds of making an NFL, an NFL practice team are a lot, are, yeah. are you know, extremely reduced. Um, but you know, and then again, I don't want to, I don't want to completely discount Gainwell. I think, I think he's going to have um, an opportunity to do something in the NFL. Definitely going to get drafted. No doubt about that. And he's going to go probably higher than I think he should, but you mm-hmm. know, a, a zone scheme out there is going to fall in love with him, I think. And that, and, and that's great. And I, I think, I think that's, you know, but here's the thing. It's, it's weird because he's not as young as you think, you know, he's only played one season of college ball. And you know he's he's actually older than a lot of the guys that mm-hmm. that uh, that are that are being drafted with three times as many reps and um, you know and that's 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 strange but uh, you know and then another thing is is he was a quarterback in high school so um, you know and that 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 probably plays a lot into his ability as a receiver is his his ability to diagnose diagnose coverages and and things like that but. Um, you know, I mean, it, we can we can say that oh, the the knock on Najee Harris is you know his age, but yeah, Kenneth Gainwell, he's twenty two. He'll be twenty two at the at the draft, and yeah. I mean that's that's the same age as Elijah Mitchell Mitchell, who's who's you know played four years of college ball, you know, in the <laughs> yeah. same in the same group of five. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I think draft capital is going to be very telling for Kenneth Gainwell. Um, I want to talk really quick before we move on to the next guy, whether like whether you think that he is like a, a strong second round pick in, in super flex drafts, say like mid to back or mid to upper second round. Um, and if draft capital could potentially sneak Kenneth Gainwell up into the first round with a good landing spot. He's probably going to go in the first round. Yeah, there's there's enough there's enough hype around him that Kenneth Gainwell is going to go, you know, at the end of the first round and I'm not going to touch him. And we just to throw in there, like, I, I agree with you guys. Like, I think he gets drafted higher than we would like him to, or his profile of running back should. And just to add on, like Tony Pollard and Antonio Gibson were kind of way to Justin for like, these are guys I just liked in a vacuum. And to be honest, I'm usually skeptical when it comes to Memphis running backs because they do need to have an acclimation period uh, more often than not, or more so than another, like an Oklahoma back would. Um, but I do think like we could see him go to the Jets at 66 or 87. They have a couple picks in the third round. Atlanta's met with him uh, per Jason, but um, you know, Green Bay at 93. These are picks that I could see happening. Uh, and I agree that I wouldn't love it, but it'll, and it'll definitely uh, drive his cost up in fantasy for sure. But I really do think if I'm drafting him as my running back three or four on a roster, I will have some interest in him because he's already like on our, best ball zero RB radars. I'll put it that way, just because of that pass catching upside. Absolutely. So the thing about the Memphis running backs, you're not going to need to worry about that anymore because uh, Gainwell, he left when, when he was, when he was recruited by Dan Lanning, that was it. Dan Lanning left Memphis. He went to, he's, he's the Georgia defensive coordinator now. So we're not going to see those type of classes anymore. We saw that last year. Look at the look at the guys that they played with. Uh, it was it, they had nothing at running back. Yeah. 
And they fell apart too, like as a team, like that's the other part with Memphis. They were top 10 in like points per game and yards on offense in 2019 during Kenny Gainwell's big season. Yeah. Yeah. They lost the recruiter. It's, it's not going to happen anymore for them. You know, I'm not saying they may not, that that they won't do well, but it's not going to be like it was when they drafted Gibson and when they recruited Gibson and Gainwell and uh, Pollard, Henderson, Taylor, Coxie, even Mm -hmm. Dykes. I mean, this is it. The, the, we'll see what happens, but uh, you know it's it's going to be interesting because the, they're not going to be able to compete with UCF anymore. And one thing I'll say, just to wrap up, Kenny Gamewell, sorry, Trav, but uh, I almost wept reading Wes's read up because uh, his draft profile because it ends up uh, going into like there's a link to an article about uh, just basically he had four relatives that he lost to COVID yeah. in 2020. So there's a lot of context to apply to why some guys. Uh, took last year off and why some guys did didn't so uh definitely Kenny Gainwell is one that you can't blame the guy for taking 2020 off no absolutely not I I, I am not I, yeah definitely don't want to knock him for doing that but at the same time the NFL you know it's a business it's exactly yeah. it's it's you know they, they they do have some some you know good stories and you know they'll 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 sell that but they'll you know they'll buy into it so they can sell it and and look really good. But, you know, of course, like you look at a guy like Trey Lance who just sat out just because, Oh, you know, my 2019 tape was great. So Mm -hmm. I'm only going to play one game for you in 2020. And then I'm going to sit out the rest of the year and make you decide off of that, you know? So. Mm. No, that's good. That's good, man. So uh, the next guy that we're going to get into, we mentioned him before and uh, that would be Trey Sermon. I know that U.S. have Trey Sermon as the third running back in your rankings uh, ahead of Javante Williams, which a lot of people might consider a little bit spicy. Um, so I want to know, Wes, just what what are you seeing with Trey Sermon that the consensus might maybe isn't um, isn't seeing with him? Well, first of all, he's the top blocking running back in the class. Now, that's not going to be something that it, you know if if a guy like like Gainwell, who, you know, he had some good numbers uh, blocking-wise. He didn't give up a pressure during the, the 2019 season. But at the same time, he didn't look that great doing it. Sermon, he he was he had just perfect uh, pass protection. And, and, and that's something that, that, you know, is going to get him on the field from day one. But, you know, it's, it's hard. You hear a lot of times a guy that shot out of, shot out of a cannon and, you know, and it's, it's thrown around way too often. And, and the reason that, that it applies for Sermon and not with others, his acceleration off of the handoff is the best in the class his his ability to to explode like wait for the handoff and explode through it is something that it's so subtle that you that you can miss it but at the same time it is just so impressive mm-hmm. and he goes from 0 to 60 to his top speed so quickly that it, i mean it's going to instantly translate at the next level when he was at Oklahoma his first year, he put up some great numbers. His sophomore year was his best year. And, and you know, and and that, you know, to me is a, there's some great footage there. He gets into his junior year and he's going up, you know, he's competing for targets with Stevenson or, or excuse me, for carries with Stevenson, obviously with Kennedy Brooks. And, 
Um, and, and then he makes the decision to transfer out. Well, you know, it's, it's got a lot to do with that Oklahoma system. Their recruiting is just ridiculous. So look at, look at the guy who recruited him left too, I believe. Uh, he did that 2019 season. Yeah, he did. And you know, you know, I got some, I got some messages saying that he was actually in the doghouse with him. And, and, and that was, that was Jay Bulware. That's, that's the guy I was trying to think of. Um, and I mean, really, I don't care because, you know, he did leave, he went to his alma mater at Texas. So, but, uh, you know, the, the, the opportunity or the, the situation that he was in, he knew that the way Oklahoma and then, then look what they do. They bring in Eric gray, you know, this year, um, you know, they, they're always bringing in all kinds of guys, you know, with, even with Kennedy Brooks coming back, they're just, um, they're, they're just loading up their backfield and, um, it, so let's look at what Sermon did over his career. Sixty um, percent of his yardage was gained after contact. And that's a that's a massive big deal um, because you know in the NFL he's not going to have those 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 yard as 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 much of a gap of yardage before contact that he did when he was in college. But when he gets to the NFL, he's gonna he's he's gonna be able to break through that first contact, and that's something that we want to see. He's also his receiver receiving ability wasn't tapped into at Ohio state. Another thing about going from Oklahoma to Ohio state, nobody runs as much of a gap scheme as, as Oklahoma. He went to Ohio state and he got two gap handoffs <laughs> the whole season. So he had to completely change yeah. his entire profile and he had to adjust on top of that. When he, when he committed to transferring to Ohio State, Master Teague injured his Achilles. It looked like he was out for the year. Then COVID hit. There was a huge gap between that first game, between that yeah. injury, that first game. By the time the game started, guess what? Master Teague's ready to go. So <laughs> he's going to have to compete with Master Teague, who, I mean, you may, I don't love him as an NFL, um, you know, NFL future. But he's got some NFL athleticism. Yeah. I mean, it's off the board. It's just ridiculous. So, uh, you know, there's just a lot of things that just fell together at the last minute that that kind of stumbled him up a little bit. And obviously he had to adjust, getting used to the zone and the man uh, schemes with Ohio State. So, um, you know, but, you know, when he finally did hit hit the ground running for him, and you know, if, if we say that he it took him a while, and it did, but he he was still productive. He just didn't have the whole role to himself until obviously Teague went down, and then he was able to take over. And man, what he did! I don't care what he did prior to that. What he did after uh, the Michigan State game, man, was was just I want more of it. And you know, I, I don't want to sit here and say that Javante Williams is is the RB four. I just, I just want to highlight the fact that that's how good Trey Sermon is. Same He's here. right up there with these guys. Right. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And I've been digging a little bit deeper and uh, in preparation for the show, I read your Trey Sermon profile on the website and uh, a lot of good stuff, including a bunch of that stuff that you were just talking about there and a ton more. So uh, thank you for providing that for us, Wes. I appreciate it. Um, and yeah, to your point, just a little note that I've got here. Um, for the yards after contact, they were the sixth best per attempt of power five backs who had at least 100 rushing attempts. So um, he looked really, really good. I uh, I see that hat, Wes. I'm, I'm an Ohio State fan and uh, I love them Buckeyes mm -hmm. running backs. So um, keep it rolling, Trey Sermon. Um, 
we're going to move off of that in just one sec, but I'm curious because we were talking about it before the show, Ty and I, how high do you think he goes in the NFL draft? Like, do you think it's going to be, do you think he's like upper half of the second round maybe? I think he's absolutely going in the second round. Yeah. No question. And, Steelers. And, well, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they dip into the first round guys and go after Najee or, or Etienne, which Najee's the, the, he's the guy that they should be going after mm-hmm. based off of their style, their gap style. Um, but, uh, you know, it's good. Etienne, he's more of an inside zone guy. Najee, he goes, he's a, he's an outside zone guy. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, you'll see me wear a different hat pretty much like every time you see him. So <laughs> yeah. Don't buy too much into the hat. Yeah. And jerseys and stuff. If you watch the draft profiles, it's always got a jersey or got a hat representing. I love that. Yeah. So I don't want to, I don't want to devote my love towards a single team. Nice. And I, I'd love to throw in there on the yards after contact debate, just because one of the things you hear a lot from the detractors would be one of the things you'll always hear from somebody who's uh, besmirching Trey Sermon is how good his offensive lines were both at Oklahoma and Ohio state. And it's just good to say, well, you know what? 60% of his yards came after contact and 31 of his 455 career carries went for 20 plus yards, which is 6.8%. That's the same rate as Javante Williams in his career, who a lot of people think of as one of the better big play running backs because of the similar style of play. So I think it's a, he's not only like the perfect arbitrage play on Javante Williams, but I think he's definitely in the same tier as him. Well, here's the thing, guys. Do not buy into the fact that just because he played he played for Ohio State or that you know there's, a, there's an idea that the Ohio – just because it's the Ohio State O-line that it's good – the the 2020 Ohio State O line was horrible, horrible. Nice. Yeah, that is good. So, yeah. Um, if if you wanna if you wanna read a little deeper into that, look, read my Justin Fields profile. It, it they they allowed they allowed 41 percent of of blitzes to apply pressure to Oof. to Justin Fields compared to Mac Jones, the Alabama O line allowed 25 <laughs> percent. Wow. Good thing, uh, good thing Fields got some legs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So let's talk about Elijah Mitchell because he is a pretty trendy sleeper running back in the 2021 class. Uh, Wes, I put a tweet out about Elijah Mitchell just saying that he's a 23-year-old running back from the Sun Belt Conference. Uh, the tweet was kind of to show just how few examples there are of running back coming through the NFL who hit just those two pieces of criteria, I asked if I should look past just those two components, uh, sort of tongue in cheek, because I, you know, you probably should look past just those two components. Um, I was hoping to get some good comments from the variety of people who are pretty high on Elijah Mitchell. Instead, I was told that I just have no respect for Sunbelt Conference uh, football, which I was kind of offended because I, you know, I own some Darrington Evans shares and I liked Raymond Calais as the the Anthony McFarlane arbitrage last year. Um, But the more I think of it, the more I do, in fact, think that I hate the Sunbelt Conference Uh, for fantasy, for fantasy. It's rude. I don't want to. And I'm kind of kidding. I don't hate long snappers. I don't hate the Sunbelt. But I do not want to lose sight of the guy I'm trying to ask you about here. Elijah Mitchell has some of my favorite analysts in the industry in his corner Several people raging for the Cajun, and it sounds like with some of the hints you uh, you laid out there with his athleticism that you are on that train as well. So, is he somebody you think you'll be targeting later in your uh, rookie drafts? Absolutely. I mean, Elijah Mitchell is my number one sleeper, 
And I, I don't think enough people are talking about him. You know, I was I was worried that he was he was going to be a guy that would, um, you know, produce it at Louisiana. Obviously, we've seen Calais, we've seen Trey Ragus do the same thing. And I, I was and and then also we could go back further. I can't remember his name. The running back that played there put up some insane numbers a few years ago, and then did nothing in the NFL. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, what he did at, at his pro day is just phenomenal across the board. Everything he did was just blew me away. And I mean, I am just all over Elijah Mitchell. Everyone's going to go after Kenneth Gainwell, but it's going to be Elijah Mitchell for me. Like three rounds later, too, probably. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, everyone's going to go after after Gainwell in the first. I'm going to go after after Mitchell in the third. Totally. And like the guy was super productive three years straight over 1000 yards from scrimmage. So scored 46 touchdowns in 42 games. So he's very, very productive. He did all he could in the Sun Belt uh, for someone like me to not condemn him for sure. And, you know, he broke out early for those who care. And I cared that that early breakout was particularly in the passing game. I think that's kind of uh, where I'm hoping he gets uh, gets used at the next level is in the passing game. And I think that's where his upside really uh, lies in, in fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. I could not argue with that. Hey, guys, I need to take a one one minute break if that's okay. No, please do, please do. Hey, Trav. Yeah. It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me, and I know that it's going to sound like I hate Elijah Mitchell again, but I do also kind of like Josh Johnson out of Louisiana Monroe. Uh, Like it wouldn't shock me if he ends up being the Sun Belt back to own from this class. Yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't gotten that deep into the prospects, and and full disclosure, I. I, that's part of why I was so stoked to have Wes on tonight was so I could uh, kind of learn some, some about these deeper guys, but I just pulled some of them up to, yeah. And uh, it's pretty solid. He's about 210 pounds, five, nine, which is a stocky little back. We like that. Um, almost 1300 rushing yards in 2019. That is solid. 11 tutters. Holy 59 missed tackles forced and over four yards per contact or yards. Yeah. In per contact per attempt. It, yeah. It uh, 2.8 in 2020, so definitely a dip. But I, I was mean, gonna say, like, his yards per yards after contact is like what I can't figure out in his profile, kind of like for it. sure, for sure. And like, if you know, obviously, he got and per attempt, obviously, negates the, the worry for this, but he got 111 less carries in 2020 than he did in 2019. So, definitely interesting. And if we're looking at late round sleepers, I think this guy has you know the size that you would like, you know, he's not five nine. He's not like two two Atwell size, you know what I mean? Where he's uh, he's kind of off boards, but um, I like those short, stocky running backs that come out of nowhere, and I think uh, you know could you fit know the mold of like a James James Robinson or something. You know what I think is two uh, two Atwell. I just thought it was funny you mentioned him because we're not going to talk about him tonight, but the buzz has really seemed to subside uh, when it comes to two two Atwell. Have you noticed that? Yeah, well, I think he just uh, just weighed in at 149 pounds. So <laughs> I think it was subsiding previously. And I think it's there's been a stake driven through the heart of Tutu Atwell's bu- uh, buzz with uh, with him stepping on the scale and, and coming in at under a buck 50. Like, damn, dude, I am I got like 35 pounds on this dude. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes in the NFL draft now, because mm-hmm. you know there was there was a lot of mock drafts when you look at like three round mock drafts that you know, almost un- invariably uh, Tutu Atwal was in those. 
Well, yeah, there was a couple early in the offseason where I saw him going in the first round to Green Bay at the back of the first. What? That yeah. Insane. Yeah. Um, and I think that was a reputable site as well. So um, it's definitely backtracked off that. <laughs> yeah, that will uh, that would make me laugh if uh, yeah. even if he goes in the second round, to be honest. Oh, but, absolutely. Uh, what I think will make a lot of people laugh is when this next running back I want to bring up goes ahead of running backs like Canadian born Chuba Hubbard, possibly in the NFL draft next week. And I'm talking boot Ramondre Stevenson. Um, sometimes I rail against guys for being kind of tweeners. I haven't brought it up with a couple guys tonight, but you know, there's a big difference between 210, 215 pounds and somebody who's like a solid 230 pounds, which I think is exactly what uh, Ramondre Stevenson is. Unfortunately, he didn't test out super well. Although it was really weird guys. I grabbed a bucket of athletic cops for him. They looked really good to me. Like, Jeremy Hill, Mark Ingram, James Conner, Elijah Penny was in there, Matt Asiata, a pretty funny group of 21 guys, some good guys. But um, what blew me away was that Dre Day's three cone was way better than any of those guys. Like it just, it stuck out like a, like a sore thumb jumped right off the page. Um, and I think that lends to how this big, slow fatso was still making so many guys miss out there because I really <laughs> liked uh, Ramondre Stevenson's uh, explosive play rates. They're one of the best in this class. And like, I'm being a bit transparent because I really do like him. Uh, I think he's somebody who could just have a seamless transition to the NFL. Um, one of the backs in the class, I think, who inspires confidence running between the tackles too. There's not many of those. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem is I'm not sure what his upside in fantasy is at this stage, but you know, he's going to have a floor as like a goal line back at the very least, but maybe I'm falling too hard for him because on the other side of the coin, um, he is kind of chock full of questions beyond the athleticism, like might have some off field concerns. Maybe I didn't mention he's a Juco transfer. So we have a small sample size, uh, unless we want to use his Juco numbers, which, you know, we could, uh, you know, <laughs> if it's after midnight and the kids are in bed, but against stronger competition, uh, my point is that Stevenson was in an outstanding environment that we've kind of talked about in Oklahoma when he was showing us this efficiency. So Wes, what do you think? I was hoping to just get your general opinion on Ramondre uh, because I'm not sure how fair the statement is, but it almost feels like a lot of his drawbacks were self-inflicted by Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah. No off the field issues. It was, it was academic. Uh, yeah. He had, he had some issues in, in high school and it was, it was before he, he really knew his, his direction and, uh, you know, he 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 put in the work to 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 bring him to the place where he's at now. So no issues there. And what he did in the JUCO, I mean, he posted uh, over 2,100 yards as a sophomore. It was the second best in in NJCAA history. So uh, he's he's a guy that that you know even even with that JUCO work, it's a small sample size at Oklahoma. But if we're going to talk about you know what guys in in the FCS are doing and the guys that are doing what they're doing in the group of five, not saying it's the exact same level of competition, but it's comparable. You know, so I I, I that's that's we just got to draw a line somewhere, and we and it's like it's kind of it's kind of questionable where we draw that line. But uh, you know, watching his film, he reminds me a lot of Ricky Williams and. You know, Ricky Williams a little bit faster. Obviously, he put up some some better um, some ath better athletic measurements. But you know, with running back, a lot of that we can throw out the window. But uh, um, yeah, Stevenson, he's a big guy, man. And 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 the thing is, is 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 he's going to put on some more weight too. We could pr he'll probably get up to about two forty five by the time. <laughs> oh my god! Max. Well, you saw reports that he might already be two forty ish and stuff. So yeah, that is scary. 
Yeah, he's and, a big, and I do he's a believe, big kid. Like I believe in that being uh, something that teams covet, uh, and something that you can even point to as a uh, you know something that a lot of top twelve running backs, top twenty four running backs, uh, weight is something that gets under discussed a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. So do you what do you what do you think if he gets drafted, say in the top three rounds though, because of the profile he is, do you think the lack of pass catching could come up? Uh, like I just try and think of him. Like, I think the perception of him could really shift quickly if he gets the draft capital and maybe even jump the shark from a fantasy perspective. Well, you brought up the yards per route run. And the thing that the, the, the threshold that I like to set is one yard per route run. If you get above one, then I think that you have the potential to do more. And if you're, if you're down there like Kennedy Brooks at, you know, 0.6, whatever, there's good. You're falling well below the mark there, brother. You're you're <laughs> at the level where I'm not sure you're ever going to be a receiving back in the NFL. So Stevenson does have that, except when it, when I looked over at all, all of his receiving work, um, the majority of it was gained on, on design screens, and that's not something that we're going to see an NFL team set up a 240-pound running back to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen him uh, do more on his own, and, and he just didn't. So I don't think he's going to have that. Um, but here's the thing. Just like Trey Sermon, the coaching at Oklahoma for pass protection, I mean, it is it is absolutely just phenomenal and they've coached this this kid up as well and kennedy brooks is is he follows right in behind and just great pass protection so he's gonna have that role so we know that um or at least you know he's gonna have an opportunity for that role um so and and then and then if we look at what he can do at the goal line obviously with that size we know he's gonna get an 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 opportunity there but here's here's the big wild card for him if he falls in in with a team with an athletic quarterback we're gonna see stevenson just blow up he's gonna do a lot more than you than Mm. i shouldn't say you than 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 most may think that he's gonna do with that athleticism because when he when that linebacker attention is drawn away with rpos and and read options it it he he's just he leaves when he's set on an island against the defender it's just like man i'm i I feel sorry for you because he's about to run you over and um so if if he goes to a team where you know with a with a immobile quarterback then you know i i'm probably not going to be that excited but you know say say he were to land in a situation like with baltimore not exactly baltimore because obviously they have dobbins and edwards but it, say that say that he landed in a situation like Baltimore, or you know, say Deshaun Watson's on the field and he lands with Houston, that would mm-hmm. be a great, great yeah. situation for him. Mm-hmm. One uh, one quick stat, Ty. I want to jump in there for Ramondre Stevenson. That's kind of hilarious. As a receiver, he had 211 uh, receiving yards in 2020, uh, but he had 254 yards after the catch. So he had more yards <laughs> after the catch than he had receiving yards total, um, you know, which speaks to the fact that he's running dudes over when he gets the ball and he, he's looking at somebody trying to tackle him. Um, and lastly, love the comp to uh, former Toronto Argonauts great Ricky Williams, Wes. I love that. <laughs> I will admit I'm a huge uh, Dolphins fan, so um, right it, goes, it goes to uh, Ricky Williams. And uh, so I watched, I mean, I watched them religiously when I was a kid growing up in Florida. And uh, and it, it, so, you know, Ricky Williams and, 
and 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 Ronnie Brown and yeah. you know I, I'm not going to We love Cam Wake up north. Yeah, Cam <laughs> Wake was a British Columbia Lion before he was a Dolphin. That's right, man. That's my but boy. Yeah, those Cameron, those running games were were pretty mean in Miami. Uh, what's it called? What's that scheme they're running for a while that we all the hate? Wildcat. The Wildcat. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're running some Wildcat. They just couldn't make the playoffs, you know, other than <laughs> yeah. the Jay Fiedler dream season. Man. <laughs> they <laughs> gotta hey, they gotta I bring back what they're doing now with <laughs> me too. Yeah, but they're, and then they're they're talking about trading out of the six now. Man, they're doing so well right now. Do you it. think mm-hmm. that we're gonna like one thing that I've talked about the last year and a half straight? It feels like is how every mock draft likes to mock a running back to Miami in round one. Uh, going back to like Josh Jacobs, and I assume they avoid that again with two good running backs on the roster right now, and you know room to develop a UDFA or what have you. Uh, so, do you think they're gonna go running back in the first two rounds or no? No, okay. The second round, maybe, 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 okay. maybe. and and uh, you know, because I, I, I do like, I do like the running backs that they have on the roster. They just don't have a bell cow or or a yeah. um, a guy I would say is a featured running back. Yeah. Um. They they have guys that can fill in for sure, but you know, I think they want better. We saw that in that that last game against Buffalo when you know the playoffs were on the line and they just really couldn't do anything on the ground. Now through the air, they did. They were able to connect with some Gaskin, but on the ground they didn't do much. And I think that's that's what they're missing. But I I don't think with the way that they're they're manipulating the draft right now and and pulling so much value out of having that that high first pick and then you know you could just say it. Roseman, you can just say it. How much value they're pulling out of Howie Roseman? Yeah, you can just. Say it. <laughs> I don't think they're going to do. I don't think they're going to throw all that away and go at running back in the first round. They're not that desperate. Mm-hmm. No, they're building the right way there for sure. Um, so let's go from Ramondre, who was a zero-star recruit, unranked coming out of high school, to Kylan Hill, who was a top ten running back in the nation coming out of high school. Uh, he actually stayed in state, Mississippi State. Went to Mississippi State. Um, and in 2019, Mississippi State awarded Kylan with the prestigious Connerly Trophy. Um, for fantasy purposes, guys, he's kind of another back I'm really struggling with, like decent size, decent athleticism. I think Kylan Hill could have some big play upside. He could see some passing work. Maybe he could handle a workload. Like he's show, He showed us a lot of that during his 2019 campaign. Uh, as for the pass catching, we saw Kylan flex those muscles uh, in just three games in 2020. Like it was a big tease we got there. So there's actually like a lot to like here, I think, but there's zero buzz surrounding Kylan Hill, like none. So Wes, do you think he has pass catching upside? Do you think maybe some of the behind the scenes things have affected him? Uh, where do you land on Kylan Hill? Well, some of the guys that I listened to, some of my buddies from PFF that that I trust, they they thought they were just blown away with with some of his work. Um, you know, so the one of the things that does concern me is he he ran into some issues with Mike Leach. He ended up um, bailing on the roster, and I you know I don't know the exact details on that. Nobody's nobody's going to tell you. But uh, you know, there there was there was some there were some adjustments made there, bringing in that 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 type of offense, that air raid to to an SEC school that you know like to run the <laughs> ball a lot, it, it, and it saw a lot of problems in the locker room, and one of those was from Kylan Hill. So we'll see we'll see if 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 that is a something that that's going to pop up. But yeah, I mean he. He showed us at least in the the little bit of time when he played for for Leach that he can catch the ball for sure. But uh, he's he's definitely he's a powerful back. 
He's somebody that that uh, is is definitely capable of handling the the bell cow role with his with his NFL team. He didn't blow away his his pro day, um, you know. But at the same time, he gave us he gave us some solid numbers um, in a couple of the categories that I love the most. And one of those is the broad jump, testing out at the 65th percentile. It's also strong, um, you know, the bench press at 60th percentile. Um, you know, he doesn't have blazing speed, didn't see a, a great 20 time or, or 10 yard split. So, um, we'll see, but, uh, you know, the thing is, is I wonder where he would have been drafted had he come out in 2019, um, because he had, he had a really solid year, uh, you know, obviously his, his best year yardage wise. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and did what zero fumbles all year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got some potential. I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, break the bank and throw away my, uh, my draft capital on him or anything, but uh, you know, he's, he's somebody with, with the, the upside that, that could uh, um, do better than, than, you know, uh, people may realize. Yeah, I, I think he has one of the widest ranges of outcomes. I think he's somewhat scheme dependent too. Another guy, we're saying this a lot, that can uh, benefit from an outside zone scheme. And there is a lot of them out there these days. It's definitely uh, taken over the league a little bit. Um, there's another running back I wanted to ask you about just because you watch these players in college football. And I haven't got to watch this guy very much at all. And that's Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State, 21 years old. Uh, went out and kind of really disappointed at his pro day. His athletic comps are a collection of running backs that have like 20 to 40 pounds on Jamar Jefferson. And then a couple outliers like LaShawn McCoy and Dalvin cook. Uh, now this kid had a sensational 2018 season uh, as an 18 year old. So as a Debbie guy, like is Jamar Jefferson a running back that you might have more faith in because you saw him do it uh, and probably remember there was hype coming into the college football season in 2019 or does like the size mixed with the athleticism kind of turn you off of Jamar Jefferson totally. Well, here's the thing. The the one group of guys that I'm not going to have as much exposure to are the West Coast guys, the guys who who played in the Pac-12. It, it, just go out and try to find try to track down some footage from Pac-12 games. They <laughs> they have that footage on lockdown. <laughs> you can you can get some highlight reels, but you're not going to get full game footage. And I don't stay up late. I get up really early in the morning. So a lot of times I miss out on these Pac-12 games. Now, when I was at PFF, I would get put on Pac-12, um, you know, job, job duty, and and I'd have to stay up and and grade some of these games. And I do remember I did I did grade a couple of games of Oregon State, but the thing was is is he was injured um, in in 2019, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah, 2019, where he he missed some time, so I didn't actually get to see a lot of him. And you know, when he was uh, when he was coming, one of the things I like to do for Devi is I always like to track uh, the high school, the pre college um, combine numbers, and 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 that's where a lot of people fell in love with Jefferson. Um, you know, he he did a he did a decent job at his. Uh, during his 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 prep uh, testing, but you know he didn't really impress that well that much at his at his pro day. Not not the type mm-hmm. of development that we would like to see from a, from a kid, especially at his size. So um, you know, I mean, he has he has the production. He he put up some decent numbers with Oregon State, but 
you know, I, I'm, I wasn't that excited about him in high school, and I'm still not excited about him now. Yeah, and at 206 pounds, I think that's the concern, right, is that he gets used or viewed completely differently at the NFL level because, um, like, he, he was pretty productive in the sense where he had 15 100-yard games and 21 starts, but he also had 20-plus carries in 14 games, uh, which I think he's just never going to see 20-plus carries. And I don't get the comps. Like, he's 206 pounds, I just said. Lance Zierlein, one of the best in the industry, one of the guys I trust the most, obviously, uh, has Jordan Howard as his comp. And Jamal Williams is his comp on Player Profiler. It's really weird. And Kevin Cole uh, floated out someone. I can't – Miles Gaskin, uh, your boy. Uh, and I I, I kind of like that one. I like more like – he reminds me of Alex Collins or like Justin Forsett or something. So I'm not like super tantalized by him. But the NFL kind of seems to be. It's really weird how many teams have met with Jamar Jefferson – uh, including teams like San Francisco, the Jets, Green Bay, which kind of makes sense because of the Jamal Williams comp, apparently. Uh, <laughs> but more with Tyler Irvin gone, maybe you could serve both of those roles. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't really know Jamar Jefferson. Uh, do, do you have any uh, feelings strongly one way or another on him, Trav? Not really, not really. I think it, it, like like with a lot of these guys at the back end of the the rankings, it's you really want them to go to a good spot where they're going to get some opportunity and that's going to be the deciding factor for me. So um, not very strong. I just really want to see where those guys go. Cause there's a lot of similar guys that need to fit a specific role for me to be interested. Um, I'm going to get into a couple other guys here, Ty though, Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo and Javian Hawkins from Louisville. Uh, these are two guys West that I don't know a ton about, but I did look into the stats a little bit and they both got, a bunch of carries under their belts at the college level. They both measured small through the pro day process, uh, but they both had big seasons at only 19 years old, and they'll both only be 21 coming into the league after being drafted. So I'm not necessarily sure what I think about these guys for fantasy. That draft capital probably will come into play as well. But can you tell me what you think um, and whether you think they might be worth that third, fourth round rookie pick? Yeah, I don't see that for Jarrett Patterson. I love what he did. He was he was phenomenal in you know against the group of five, but you know he he tried to he tried to pass along that that he was uh, three inches taller than he is at five <laughs> five ten. I think he tried yeah. to pass himself off as uh, yeah five six five six point something or something. Yeah, I was looking at that too, and I was like, what five six? Like, that's an insane discrepancy, man. I mean, it, it just blows me away. And yeah, he's cocky little kid too. He gets on he gets on Twitter and calls out the the opposing defenses. So oh man, you, you gotta love that. But yeah. uh, you know, ninety eighth percentile twenty yard shuttle. I, I do love that. But here's the thing: he ran a four five eight, and and you know you can you can say oh pro day this pro day that. He ran a four five eight, and it's not. It's it, there's not a, a 0.05 you know discrepancy there. We're talking we're talking a significant um, you know downgrade for a guy his size. Yeah. And he tries to compare himself to to MJD and, and no sir, no sir, no. Maurice Jones do run a four three brother. You mm-hmm. can't compare yourself. You're not that type of athlete. Now I do like what he did in college, but. For me, I like to I like to marry the two. I want to see the production in college match up to the measurements in at, at your 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 pro day at your combine. We don't have that 
with Jared Patterson. So, but with Javian Hawkins, I man, I was in love with this kid uh, coming out of high school. You know, he's smaller. He's on the smaller end. And um, here's the thing: when he was when he was in high school, did a ton of. Uh, put together put together a, a really nice receiving profile. So I don't really care as much what he did at Louisville, especially with their dual threat quarterback situation yeah. that they have. Um, but so so we know that we know that he's a better receiver than what we saw in college. I was he had a he had a an injury though that um, that uh, that led to some of the the numbers being off because normally he he did a lot better. Um, or he did a lot better when he was in high school. Um, right. But uh, uh, at the same time, you know, I'm not going to make a lot of excuses for guys. Uh, they, they, they either did well. So yeah, Hawkins had a hamstring and wrist injury going into, to his pro day, pro day, ran a four, three, six though, pre-college yeah. and then ended up with a four, four, five at his pro day. But uh, I still think he's got some potential. Um, I'm not going to break the bank for him or anything, but, uh, you know, if you look at what he did, um, you know, with the, with the opportunities that he had at Louisville, I mean, you can't knock him at all, especially one of, one of the, the things that I like to look at is, is what he did against, um, Clemson, Notre Dame and Miami on 25% of career attempts. He averaged 111 yards rushing. So when he went up against big time, uh, schools, he definitely came to play. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it, he's going to be one of the big wild cards because if he falls into an opportunity where he gets a little, you know, a couple more carries than, than we're expecting, you know, we'll see, man, he could, he could, uh, he could really impress, but, you know, another thing is there was a discrepancy between his weight. So some, some, uh, platforms were saying that he was weighing around the 200 pound mark. Yeah. Some had him at like 180. Yeah. It was obviously he he ended up weighing at 183 so i was i was disappointed in that as yeah. well yeah for sure i think that would kind of profile him as that receiving back and, and and unfortunately with him and Jarrett patterson they didn't get a ton of receiving work in college i think JVN hawkins only had 21 career receptions in college but if you look at both of those teams buffalo and louisville both of them i think are outside of the top 90 in pass attempts per game in the nation so i think that's a pretty pretty telling stat as far as the fact that these guys just weren't in an offense that was conducive to that so there might be some untapped upside as receivers which could be some value for us as fantasy gamers so um jv and hawkins especially after what you were talking about there is going to be a target for me in the late rounds of my uh of my fantasy drafts man hey i'll say this about Jarrett patterson one final thing he wasn't even targeted yeah that's right none (laughs) (laughs) and he had over 300 carries the year before and he's five six even targeted i mean that says something this kid's not a receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that kind of uh, that definitely kind of caps his you know draftability for NFL teams. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, but you know, you you got to hold out hope because there's going to be that one or two UDFAs that could pop. So I'm not saying it can't be him, but it's not uh, it's not necessarily in his favor, I guess. And it might be more like a Philip Lindsay high variance UDFA good, situation good than Austin Eckler. Yeah, yeah, or, or he could just be a kick returner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, could Which be a good one too, right? Yeah. Best yeah. avenue to playing time. Best avenue to playing time, boys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Better work on your gunning down the field on punt coverage too, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Not with that speed. He's. I mean, we do have the we do have the special teams guru on the show, so 
Yeah, he's too slow. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He's not gonna he's not gonna draw the eye of special teams coaches with that speed for sure. Right. Okay. Um, Ty, I think you got a couple more and then we'll finish off these running backs here, my man. Sure. Well, I was going to skip those guys if we want to go to quarterbacks. Like I was going to ask him about Demetri sure. Felton just because he's kind of a gadgety guy who is listed as a running back on best ball and stuff. And he's listed high on some uh, entities, you know, and uh, in different resources that you'll find out there on different platforms. But I think his athleticism might be prohibitary or, you know, prohibitive of him playing running back. And I thought Wes might have a couple thoughts on that. Yeah. It, I mean, if he plays running back, I'll like him a little bit more. Uh, you know, he's, if he falls into the slot, he can get away with, with the lack of speed, but he's not going to get away with the lack of, of lateral agility. And so I, I really don't know what to do with him. I don't. I'm not going to go after him. I, I I think in best balls you can you can pick him up as a running back. So you know if he does end up going running back, I think I think that that could be uh, a way you could target him. But as far as like rookie drafts, I, I'm I'm staying away from Felton because I, I'm just I, I don't know what an NFL team is going to do with him. And um, you know, if you look at like Malcolm Perry with um, coming out of that's Navy cool. now with, with Miami. I mean, that's the kind of guy that I, I think about when I think about Felton and that I don't get too excited about it. One, uh, one quick note on Felton Wes. Um, I was looking at your ranks on the fantasy points site. And if you sort by just your ranks, as opposed to the consensus, they go all the way down one through 35. And the next player after the guy that's ranked 35 is Demetric Felton and the ranking 48. So, uh, it jumps from <laughs> 35 to 48. So, um, what Wes Huber hates Demetric Felton, folks. <laughs> Chris well, actually, I, I have 50 guys ranked. It's just that I, those other guys in between those two is they, they're not ranked by anybody. So that's yeah. right. That's <laughs> right. Show I, just, up. I just thought that was kind of a funny like flex on on Demetric Felton, just to say, you know, like yeah. get down there in my ranks. Chris <laughs> yeah, Evans he's, arbitrage. Yeah. He's not up there in my ranks. I'll just say that. <laughs> nice man. So we're going to we're going to move into quarterbacks and we'll hit them a little bit quick cuz I do want to get into these re receivers. I think if we're talking about um you know sleepers and and guys to target late, wide receiver has a plethora. Uh, but before we before we run through the quarterbacks quickly, I want to say a, a big shout out to our sponsor Monkey Knife Fight. Um I know it's not football season right now, but Monkey Knife Fight is in full swing. You can go enter into player prop games for Hockey, baseball, basketball, UFC. Um, they're even getting into esports. So we're really thankful. Oh, yeah, get out of here with that McDavid jersey tie. Um, they're <laughs> throwing me off with that bright orange, man. Um, no, so I mean, if you go over to Monkey Knife Fight, you want to play some player prop games, use the promo code, code TNFF, and you will get an instant match of up to $50 on your first deposit. So if you drop 50 bones, you get another 50 bones, and 50 plus 50, that's 100 bones, ladies and gentlemen. So go over to Monkey Knife Fight and use that promo code TNFF. Okay, uh, so we're going to go through the quarterbacks. I want to touch on the quarterbacks, but like I said, I wanted the uh, running backs and wide receivers to be kind of the meat and potatoes of the show because it's a lot to decipher with those later round picks. Um, but for quarterbacks, there is a big five. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have huge implications this draft class on our Superflex leagues, obviously. Lots of discussion happening in the fantasy football world about where these guys are going to go in the draft. And we get to find out in just over a week. So everyone rejoice. But before we do that, I'd like to hear your opinion, Wes. Um, how do you have these five ranked? 
And do you think that all five of them could go in, say, the top seven to ten of the draft? Like, and, and would that kind of change your perception on some of these guys and, and how you rank them? Okay, I've spent the, like the last three weeks straight going over quarterbacks. Okay, and perfect. I, mean, I, I could literally fill your hour and a half time slot talking about these quarterbacks nonstop. Um, Fantasypoints.com. <laughs> the the all five are going to get drafted in the first six picks, and the nice. only the only team that's not going to go quarterbacks again. Well, we we're we're going to need to see a, a trade, obviously, from Miami, and we're going to see it. The only team, obviously, is going to be Cincinnati. They're not going to go quarterback, and they're going to probably end up with either either Sewell or or Chase or you know maybe even a tight end. I, I can't think of one that might fill that role. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ne- never heard of them. Yeah, um, yeah, so, Mouth, yeah, 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 Friar Muth or you know, you know, whatever, Brevin Jordan, Ken, some Kenny Yeboa guy, oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the ranks are for it. Okay, so you you ask my ranks, but are, are you wanting to know where they're going to get drafted or are you wanting to know where I'm drafting them in fantasy? Well, I'd like to know how you have the five ranked, and then since you just said that you think they'll go all in the top six, um, does that significantly say maybe boost any of them in your overall rookie ranks? Just because you know they went in that uh, in that top seven of the draft. So it just okay. So we can we can pretty much say that Lawrence is going to the Jags. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if 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 Urban Meyer ended up going after Justin Fields, but I think he's going to go for mm. Trevor Lawrence. Number two, obviously the Jets. They've met. They've they've made it known that they're in love with Zach Wilson, so he's probably going to go there. And so the the wild card is going to be who's going to go to San Francisco. I mean, I think I think there's there's a lot of shade being tossed around here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, San uh, the Shanahan. You you got to be you got to be on your game with the play action bootlegs. So, and, you know, and, and it just so happens that all three of the quarterbacks fall into that category, but then he had, he added the further, the, the further uh, statement that he's not going to sacrifice accuracy in order to, or pocket uh, presence in order to fill that, that need that he has. And he's even said that he doesn't even care if it's super athletic if, if the guy's super athletic is because it kind of takes away from the fact that what the bootleg is doing is, is throwing that misdirection. And if you have an athletic quarterback, then teams are going to be looking at the quarterback going over there. So, you know, he did throw So he's throwing a lot of shade out there. Um, if I'm going to say what guy completely fits that profile perfectly, it's Justin Fields. And there's no way that I think that they trade three first round picks and a, a compens- compensatory third to move up to that spot and to go after Mac Jones when they probably could have just traded half that draft capital yeah. to move up three, four spots and still have gotten him. Yeah. They've driven up Mac Jones's at price by themselves. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's where they're going. But there have been a lot of there have been a lot of comments made about Justin Fields in the media. And I think that is coming from Atlanta. I think mm-hmm. Atlanta is trying to throw some some negatives towards Fields, and I wouldn't be surprised if Fields is in on it too and saying, right. "Yeah, why don't you say this about me and this?" Because guess coming what? Home. Fields grew up an hour from Atlanta. Okay, he loves Atlanta. It's his team. He grew up just admiring Michael Vick. 
That was his guy, uh, which, you know, you look athletically, that's who he compares to. Exactly. Um, and so, uh, you know, that, that would be a perfect match made in heaven. We'll see. I think Fields goes three. If, if Fields goes, then I think Atlanta may trade out. Yeah. Because if it, I don't see them going after the Trey Lance. I don't see them going after Mac Jones. So I think the fourth and the sixth pick, it's going to be Lance. It's going to be it's going to be um, Mac Jones. But I don't know what teams are going to be right. There. Yeah, and just, know, to, yeah. just to add yeah. on there for Atlanta, like they love they want Field so bad with Terry Fontenot in there, and like it's a it's a so many connections to make for they want him so bad. There's definitely. no question. It's definitely no question. <laughs> well, yeah. let's say if, if, if Fields goes to San Francisco, he's my number one uh, quarterback in rookie drafts. Uh, I was saying that the other day, man, like what it's totally within the realm of possibilities. He's in a way better offensive scheme, more established weapons, better offensive line. Like I don't, and like nobody's the, really given that any thought Wes. So I, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. People. Yeah, like, exactly. Mullins, four quarterbacks. Yeah. CJ Beathard. Yeah, and even 2019, Jimmy Garoppolo is like the outlier season in Jimmy Garoppolo's career, and that was a spectacular season, and it mostly came off play action deep balls. Mm-hmm. Like that well, was the catalyst. If if he doesn't go to San Francisco and goes to Atlanta, I'm not going to be going after him with my, you know, with the first pick. I'm no, going to go after I think Lawrence and even Wilson because of the opportunities they're going to get. Well, I think that's interesting that you say Wilson because Arthur Smith is bringing that zone running scheme into Atlanta and um, baby LaFleur is doing the same in New York with Zach Wilson. So um, yeah, that's going to be, a, that would be a close one. I think I might go fields in that situation just because I love Calvin Ridley and, and Arthur Smith, what he did with Tannehill and AJ Brown, but that would be a little bit more of a thinker definitely than if he goes to San Francisco. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's, it's not that. Okay. So uh, it all in a vacuum. I have fields by and far ab- above everybody else. Yeah. Just with his rushing ability, plus the thing that we don't hear a lot enough about is that what he did as a runner was done off of scrambles and not off of design runs like we yeah. see with Trey Lance. For a sure. running back is going to have a forty percent reduced uh, career uh, based off of uh, the the numbers that the NFL gave us, and so. The way Lance played at, at North Dakota State and the wing T offense that they use that very similar to what he did at Marshall, um, it, he takes some massive, massive hits. He runs into contact. You yeah. don't see that with Fields. Fields is he's getting out of bounds. He's yeah. getting down. He's diving around guys. He doesn't want to take those shots. He's got the longevity that we want to see, similar with tre- with uh, Trevor Lawrence, but Lawrence doesn't have that athleticism. So for me, there's no question that Fields and Lawrence are the two guys, and the rest of them, they're just they're sidebars, right? Yeah. Um, but the situation, it, it depends on what type of league we're talking about, um, you know, the scoring system and, and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm wearing Ohio State hat, and I don't want to go too all in on on Ohio <laughs> State guys here after what I said about Trey uh, Trey, Trey Sermon. So uh, <laughs> I, I like I like Lawrence, I like uh, uh, Fields, and the rest of the other guys are I have some serious issues with. For sure. And so my last two points on that before I let Ty get into these wide receivers is that um, from the Zach Wilson side, um, we've been telling people not to sleep on that Jets offense. So I like that you that you brought that up there. And um, 
I had another another question, but it totally slipped my mind. So, Ty, why don't you fly into them wide receivers, buddy? Yeah, and if people want more info on some of these quarterbacks, I just read uh, Zach Wilson's, I think, was published a couple days ago. That profile was uh, exquisite by Wes. That one's on fantasypoints.com. And getting into these wide receivers, again, I really can't thank you enough for your time, Wes, uh, for joining us. I really appreciate it. Um, you better get the entire month of May off, by the way. Um, like what, just really quick, how many hours a week, uh, do you watch tape for these rookies leading up to the draft? Well, I probably spend, um, an entire 40 hour work week, just watching tape. (laughs) (laughs) And then then I spend about, uh, probably 60 hours the rest of my week between writing and analyzing what I've, what I've seen on, on tape and, and, and then also trying to build like a, a psychological profile as far as like, you know, where <laughs> the player comes from and, and the, 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 uh, the schemes that they played in and how it, how it translated to college and how it translates to the NFL. Um, and it, you know, it's an overkill, but at the same time, I think there's so much being passed around about the players right now that, and just you know you, you have to take it a step further just to um, bring something new to the table well even thinking about that from the lens of this wide receiver class and the stigma that's kind of associated with it uh being some smaller profiled guys some slot wide receivers i think uh and i've heard you talk about it in the past but it is a position that there's a bit of a lag in terms of what people think they bring to an offense how teams value a slot wide receiver and this extends to tight ends as well you just look at the pay structure that we see with these players uh and there is a little bit of a lag and there is differences in between systems and schemes uh on how like the emphasis that teams are placing on these slot wide receivers and i think like you look at cliff kingsbury i think they're going to add an explosive slot wide receiver which is basically that's all that's missing right now in that passing game so there are some schemes that I think are going to push some of these guys up for sure. Yeah, it's a big time slot class, and it's a shame because they can get away. The NFL NFL teams can get away with with underpaying. Well, you know, we say underpaying, but then you know, guys like Tyler Lockett they get their big contract and and Tyreek Hill. But um, you know, but on the on the for the most part, yeah, the the slot ride receivers are they're taking a. a they're taking contracts with huge discounts based off of uh, the 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 perception that they're not as valuable, and the, the same for tight ends. And um, the way the trends that the NFL is the where it's leaning over the last few years, and and um, I dug back into the last thirteen years, and um, you know you it's just it blew my mind. I I was I was just trying to write a profile, and while I was doing it, I I ended up getting. I ended up pulling all this data and I was just like, I've got to write this stuff down because this is just, this is just ridiculous because there, these perceptions are just being carried season to season contract to contract. And these guys are, they're just, they're not making the money that they deserve. And um, the, the current NFL, the way it's being played is, is they're bringing all these college coaches in, they're bringing these, okay. And it, it all stems from guys like Baker Mayfield because teams are like, okay, there's this really good quarterback, but he comes from an air raid system. What are we going to do? How are we going to incorporate him? So they, they ended up saying, you know what? He's too good. We can't pass him up. We're going to bring him in anyway. Let's just, let's just incorporate some things to make him comfortable. And then it completely evolved into what we see now where they're like, well, this actually works. Let's use this. 
and then they keep it keeps going and going and it's spreading throughout the league. We're seeing that t- NFL teams are going air raid. And 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 you can't have an air raid without a slot receiver, and and and, and you you can't really use these these immobile uh, inline tight ends like we you saw you know ten fifteen years ago. There, I mean, you can with some teams, but the, the teams that are trying to evolve are like we need guys that can move, guys that we can split wide, guys that we can you know send through in motion and, and things like that and. Um, it's an evolving game and, and the, the, the money structure hasn't caught up to it. And the, uh, the cap constrictions of this off season didn't help that matter either. When it comes to, uh, the tight ends, in fact, it let Bill Belichick scoop up the top two on the market. Um, so I'll move away from that, even though uh, I wanted to mention that we'll probably see the same thing with nickel corners in like half a decade, I think. Um, so I want to ask about Devonte Smith, uh, Wes, where would you take Devonte Smith? if you were a GM in the NFL draft and where are you taking Devonte Smith in rookie drafts? Oh, it's, that's probably the, the toughest question of this, of this season. And I mean, I don't love his BMI, you know, and, and it's a concern. I see him more of a, of a Mar. I see him as a Marvin Jones jr. Type. And I don't see him making an immediate impact. And then I, I've got a bad taste in my mouth whenever I see guys, especially he had a finger injury. Don't freaking tell me you can't go through your athletic measurements with a finger injury. Yeah. So it pisses me off because I, I feel like these guys should be trying to do whatever they can to to uh, show their NFL team why they why the NFL teams why they should be there. And and when I see guys have these entitled attitudes, I'm just like, man, I I'm just I'm done with you. But that's like my immediate view right i've got to like so like when i'm looking at film sometimes i get these these immediate thoughts about people and i and that's why i never i never watch film or uh, or look at the analytics and then instantly start writing because i can i can get it can become biased i can get tied up tied too much into that so i i, I take a day to to, to think about that player. And then I always come back and I, 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 I dive in completely unbiased with my write-up. And so same with Devonte Smith. I think um, we got to give him, give him the benefit of the doubt with the season he just had. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Even though the SEC was, it really did not play up to expectations as far as uh, defensive coverage. But at the same time um, he put the numbers he put up, and, you know, he did it. He 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 had a phenomenal career with Alabama. I'm just not I'm not I'm not buying into the the perception that that he's a top 10 pick. He's not. He's um, he doesn't have he doesn't have the 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 entire um, uh, package of factors that I think sell him as a top 10 pick, even top 15. I'm 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 struggling with that. Now, when you get outside the top 15, sure. I think I think that he brings enough to the table that he can be in that discussion. Uh, but I, at the same time, he's going to fall. That's when he falls into the category with your Kadarius Tony and Elijah Moore. You know, so um, I know they're slot guys, but I actually think Devonte is a, is another is a slot guy. His numbers are just you you move him from the outside to inside, and, and they're they're much better, especially yeah. when when. Um, when uh, the shoot, I can't think of the quarterback, the, the wide receiver that got hurt for Alabama. Waddle, uh, yeah, Waddle, Waddle. even yeah, it was yeah, out producing him. 
Yeah, when he when he when he got hurt, that's when Devontae went into the slot and started putting up some killer numbers, right? Oh, yeah. So um I think he's a slot guy. I'm sorry, you know, I hate to say it, but um yeah, and and you know, so he for me, he's not the best slot guy. Waddle is, and definitely not Jamar Chase. So let's just throw that out the window. I don't think he's got the same type type of athleticism that Kadarius Tony and Elijah Moore have. I've moved I've moved more between um, uh, Tony and a lot and and I've moved uh, Smith, excuse me, between uh, front in, in front of and behind more so many times it's not even funny in the ring. <laughs> so I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty uh, torn on what to do with him. No, and I kind of agree. Like, I think we're going to be people who have less shares of Devontae Smith just because uh, it's a hard pill to swallow personally. Uh, Like, Trav, I've probably scared you off with all the historical data. Um, You know, it's really non-existent. And my problem is that he doesn't really play like a Deshaun Jackson or a Marquise Hollywood Brown anyways. Like, that's not the comp that most people would would agree to with uh, Devontae Smith. Most people are trying to comp him to an Antonio Brown or a Marvin Harrison. Mm. Which it's like, like even if you believe that that's what he feels like when you watch him, he still might have twenty pounds less of you know muscle mass on him than those guys. Yeah. And you know, Trav, I'll just put it out there again. But yeah, if you go the last twenty years, look at the best fantasy seasons by little guys. You have to go to one hundred and eighty-five pounds or less just to get those Antonio Browns, Tyree Kills, and Marvin Harrison's, and those three guys account for eleven of the twelve best fantasy seasons by little guys over the last twenty years. So. It is an extreme outlier that it'll have to be. And it's frustrating because, you know, I don't want to condemn this guy into bust territory. That's not what we're trying to do here because I could honestly spend 20 times this long talking about how special he might be. Because, yeah, Devontae Smith could very well be what I'm suggesting he has to be. And that's like a unicorn. And uh, that's how I see That's how I see him is like a back end first. You know, at the turn, I'll start looking at him in a rookie draft. So I won't have him. Well, that's the thing is, is we're trying to minimize risk, risk averse approach is, is I stick to it. Like, you know, it's, it's gospel and that I can't, I can't, when I, when I look at those outliers, I see, I see this nice curve and then I see this dude over here and I'm like, man, I'm going to have to just erase you off the board because you don't fall into the, to the view, the scope that I like to follow. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, he uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it, that's listening, he measured or he weighed in at 166 today, I believe, Um, which is, yeah, I I saw something coming out that he weighed at 166. People are saying that there's outrage over the four pounds from 170, but I think there was a little bit of outrage previously about the 170. Um, There should be outrage if he's under 170, like no wide receiver in NFL history has scored 250 fantasy points weighing under 170 pounds. Yeah. So, and this is all per pro football reference, by the way, or stat head who the fuck knows anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. So I'm going to move into the next group here, Wes, the next group all falls inside your top 12 of rookie wide receiver rankings. Uh, you got Kadarius, Tony, who you mentioned in his first round buzz sitting at six in your ranks. Amon raw looking ready made for a day one slot role sitting at seven. And one of my mm-hmm. faves in Dayami Brown, as your wide receiver 12, unless those ranks have changed since last night, I believe Wes, but I'm curious if you think any of these guys are going to be like early contributors for fantasy football to the point where we can rely on them as a piece of our fantasy roster in the next say two seasons. Um, Or do you think we might have to play the waiting game to see some of that upside for these guys? Two seasons. Absolutely. Right. All three of these guys, uh, they have everything we want 
it, it just to, to make an immediate impact. I was a little worried about Diami Brown with the system, you know, playing with, with one of the top quarterbacks. I love some Sam Howell. Yeah. He's, um, yeah, he's good. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. He's, he's going to give, uh, he's going to give the, the 2022 quarterbacks a run for their money to be the, the QB one. Um, but uh, Tony, man, cheese, you know, with all with any wide receiver, though, um, even with Jamar Chase, a landing spot is going to is going to determine a lot. So, you know, say we have Jamar Chase and somehow Atlanta picks him at four. You know, I mean, he's he's going to he's going to struggle to produce right away. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that's going to play, obviously, an immediate a, a huge role there. But um, I've just the numbers that that Tony put up at his pro day are. They're just beyond the spectrum of you know slot receiver. Like, it's just ridiculous what he put up in the explosion and 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 speed and and just come on, man. This kid is just I I, I slept on him a little bit for after I wrote up his profile. He had a he had this weird hitch in his run the first two years at Florida. I don't I don't know if he was injured. His route running, he rounded his routes. I, I just it made me sick. <laughs> then his his junior year he did do something, but then he got hurt. Then I mean, obviously his senior year, right? So I mean, we're not talking about that. I was it was phenomenal all the way. But um, man, what what he did at the pro day just set me straight because and 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 that's one of the more important things about the pro day is you say what you want about the tape for Kyle Pitts about Kadarius Tony, man. The pro days they put up are just this draw drop jaw droppers and. Um, so, but like with Amon Ross St. Brown, this kid is the sharpest route runner in the class. Write it down right now. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, best footwork, best functional strength, the best skinny, this best skinny post. I mean, this kid is going to be the real deal. Don't even joke. Seriously, I love it. First more real. Who's going to get drafted in the second round? More real than his last name, then. Yeah. Well, you know, his dad made it all up. Uh, he had a, he had, I can't remember his name. Your draft it, profile was incredible on him. Like, I really, that, like, if I had to say what my favorite one was that you put out this year, uh, it was Amon Ross St. Brown. I had to read it in a couple sittings because it was like funny. It was so insightful and uh, really was a good sell job, too, on what you should go out and get this kid for. And I think we, like, I'm not saying that on the turn, uh, take Devonte Smith, but I'm saying if you take Devonte Smith, you can offset a little bit of that, uh, you know, that volatility that might come along with that with an Amon Ross St. Brown right behind him. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be passing on some Devonte Smith and, and eyeballing me some Amon Ross St. Brown. I think that's that I can say that with a lot of guys that are just getting overhyped in, in the rookie drafts right now. But, you know, I mean, these are things I don't like to scream out. And so everybody can hear me. I like to keep some of it to myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it, uh, I think he, like I said, ready made for the slot. And I think like, there might be a little bit of untapped potential as somebody who could be moving around the formation for Amon Ra as well. I think he came in at 5'11", and I thought before we thought he was 6'1", maybe, so maybe he lost a couple inches, but you might be able to confirm that, Wes. Um, but I think those two extra inches would have helped his prospects as far as being able to work on the outside. But 
um, you never know. He's a talented dude. And uh, I kind of hope, uh, Wes, I got a thing going here. And, and Ty, you're probably going to laugh at me for bringing it up again. But uh, I kind of hope he goes to Green Bay to play that slot role. And then he can be reunited with his brother um, <laughs> as well as MBS. And he can form the third member of the group, the acronym boys. So they would have ESB, MBS, and ARSB. And so that's just kind of a personal dream of mine. Um, not fantasy related whatsoever, but it's like the a, a boy band of receivers. It's the the acronym boys oh, i love it i love it <laughs> yeah and his dad john brown i mean a former bodybuilder and mr universe yeah no that's awesome no and his mom like i love because you brought up uh like you know and i i, I don't know if i necessarily agree i hate to say it west because i'm a steelers fan but uh you comped him uh loosely to uh to my boy heinz ward just because uh it's so interesting that both guys uh parents met overseas and uh yeah, did I, I say a, that about Heinz Ward? I did. I don't think I knew that. Um, it's it, it, it's. It, I may have read that at the time, but um, honestly, the the comp was more related to their functional strength because I mean, you just you don't you don't you don't body them up. You know, if you do, you're going to get tossed to the side, and and that's that's something that I loved about both of those guys. And I don't throw around comps to Heinz Ward very lightly. Um, he's he's you know he was a he was the bit, one of the big receivers when I was growing up. And, um, you know, so I, I, I look, I, I look up to him as far as what he did on the football field. I always thought he was, man, just, he was the thing, you know, yeah. in Pittsburgh and, um, but man, I just St. Brown, he's just, he reminds me so much of that type of strength and, and the ability to, to, to play beyond vertical speed. You know, and and that was the big knock on on Heinz Ward coming in, coming out of Heinz or coming out of Georgia. And who knows if uh, if he drops around two, maybe the Steelers see the next Heinz Ward as Juju Smith Schuster's replacement. I also like uh, the Rams would be a good place, I think, where he could maybe flex some versatility there. I think uh, for sure he's a hometown kid there too, and he was one of the best wide receivers coming out of Cali since uh, Rams Robert Woods too. Like yep. that goes back. So I, I I like a lot. There's a lot of spots that I think he could land. He's definitely like the one wide receiver people should be talking about more. I think, and he's well, young still. He's still young. The good thing is there's there's so with this class of of slot receivers just everywhere is is there's so many teams that out there that need slot receivers. Yeah. So it's like the perfect time, it's the perfect fit and we're going to see a lot of guys come into some early roles. Okay. So Trav, did you uh do you want me to just hit these last little guys here and uh send Wes on his way because we are taking up so much of his time here? <laughs> yeah, for sure. We can try and rapid fire a little bit uh real quick. So fly out or buddy. Well, I put a list of five together, like a handful of kind of what I'd call arbitrage plays on some of the slot wide receivers in this class. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, so I have Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan athletics and versatility, but definitely raw. Daz Newsom, who was on that Tar Heels team with Javante and Michael Carter. He's a little bit less athletic. Jalen Darden from the Mean Green, the little guy from a small school, small A, if I was to say Darden's athletic. Uh, but he was super productive, second-highest fantasy uh, season last year behind Devontae Smith. Yeah. Dax Milne from BYU brings kind of a vertical offense, uh, vertical element to an offense, I think. Uh, he could play in the slot or outside as well. And I got She Smith, a small wide receiver from South Carolina, who tested out pretty good. So a group of smaller guys, some from smaller schools who have produced so Wes, Dwayne Eskridge, Daz Newsom, Jalen Darden, Dax Milne, She Smith, 
anybody in that list that really jumps out to you? Not a big, I'm not a big Dax Newsome guy. He just, he kind of disappeared. He was, he was big in 2019 and, and I don't know what the deal was in 2020. He was, he was there. He was, he was returning punts and, and, you know, I knew he was on the field, but man, he, he, he really let down uh, a lot of DFSers out there with, with his, uh, his ghost work. Um, and, and then of course he followed that up. He did, he did have a couple good games there at the end of the year, but, uh, you know, he didn't really do much at the combine. I just, and, and, and then what I saw from him was I wasn't that impressed. It was, he was obviously less, uh, less impressive than, uh, than Diami Brown. And, but D Eskridge, man, I do like him, man. He's, he's, uh, he, you know, he switched over to cornerback one year and, and, and held his own. And, you know, that's the type of versatility that, that I love to see from a wide receiver, a guy that, that, uh, you know, it's kind of kind of reminds me a little of Kadarius Tony, where he, you know, playing wildcat quarterback, playing running back, just you know, he's just so athletic that that he can do so many different things for his team. So I think I think Eskridge is definitely somebody that we need to uh, we need to keep our eye on. Darden, you know, he was he's a shifty dude. He's um, he's all over the place, and you know, he took a huge portion of the target share there in North Texas and. Uh, playing with some with some you know eh, meh quarterbacks so um you know i think he could have a role as a returner day one too like there's a there's a chance that he could land somewhere that uh needs someone to return the three or four kicks that teams return these days yeah no doubt no doubt whatsoever and i i'm excited about about his long-term potential though Uh, dax milney now Okay, so you might hear people say, "Oh, you know, the BYU Zach Wilson didn't have the type of of, of weapons that blah 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 had," and I don't even believe that. Dax Milne between him I and like Micah Simon, too. I mean, these guys were were Simon ran a four three four. I mean, ran a he ran mm-hmm. a Jamar Chase. You know, um, mm-hmm. he got signed on the spot to a three year deal by Carolina. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and Milne, uh, he's he's above a sixty percentile athlete. This kid kids athletic plus they had a they had a, a tight end there i think his name was isaac rex man just popped off the screen every time i saw him making some just highlight real catches and somebody that definitely to keep an eye on for the future for sure um but but milney man i mean you know the the thing about the uh, that that wilson did have is he had a killer offensive line um yeah the the, the protection that that he that that they gave him uh, Zach Wilson is just just ridiculous, but you know the thing that that he didn't really need it. Milne didn't really need it because he was able to to separate so quickly from those those group of five defenders, and um, you know with with that big arm from from Wilson, it was just a match made in heaven. And uh, I do like Milne. I think I think Milne is somebody that that is going to make a make a case for for a, a role down the, down the road. But, uh, you know, with, 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 she Smith, he's man, he's, he's going to be somebody that, that could, that could produce above all those other guys, or he could, he yeah. could find a quicker role. He's, you know, he, I have him right, right after Diami Brown. Um, I don't remember if he's uh, 13 or 14, but he's right there. And, and I think, you know, he's somebody that is, 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 big time and somebody that that that'll be a big time uh sleeper there at the end of your draft somebody that you could pick up and and just go further down the list i do like tamori and terry a lot too 
Nice. Me too. Me too. I just want to. So you're not worried. There. You're not worried about the testing and stuff because he lost a little bit when it comes to his pro day, whether it's height, weight, speed, whatever. Um, because like all I would say is I came into this process thinking I would love Tamori and Terry. Um, but I, I feel like there's no buzz surrounding him anymore, even though there was a little bit to start the process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you would think about it. You're an NFL team. You love a guy. Do you go out and just tell everybody about it? No. No, especially if it's somebody that nobody you're not hearing anything about from anybody else. There's no that's reason to toss shade on him. You're just gonna keep that stuff to yourself. He ran a four four four. I mean, that's I mean, he's for me, that's that's pretty good. And plus yeah. he has seventy-eight inch uh, uh wingspan. He's got some mm. big old, big old arms. Um, you know, and you know, he didn't blow the rest of his of his uh his pro day out of the water, but when when he when he was on the field and uh, you know, he, he, he was healthy. He was, he was doing well. So that here's the thing We're, we don't have to spend our first or a, a first or a second round pick on him or anything like that. We can yeah. go and clean him up at the end of our drafts. So, um, he's definitely somebody worth taking a flyer on. And it's not like nobody doesn't like him. Like, uh, I think it's Paul Pertichigi. I can, I can never remember his last name. The guy from Saturday to Sunday football, uh, he really likes him. So there is people definitely, uh, who can claim victory for tomorrow and Terry. <laughs> And add Wes Huber to that list. Yeah, I love him. I picked him up in a couple of Debbies a few years back. I'm I'm excited about him, man. I think he's going to do well, and 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 you know, and I and I don't have to you know worry about whether he's going to go in the first or second round. I think I think long term potential. He he's he's right up there with the other guys. I think he's he's somebody that that we can mention next to a guy like She Smith or or Diami Brown. Nice, nice. I like that. All right, gentlemen. So I think that's a wrap. Wes, I really, really appreciate you sticking around for so long. Um, can't thank you enough, man. It's, this has been a great episode. I think we got a lot of really, really good content out for the people. Um, so I just want to give you a chance, you know, to uh, let the people know what you're going to be working on as we move through the draft and into the pre-preseason um, and where the people can find you. Well, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Wes Huber NFL. And, you know, obviously at Fantasy Points, and I'll be writing up profiles until the draft, as many as I can get done. I'll, I'll, I'll be getting to Mac Jones tomorrow, and then I'm going to uh, clean up the running backs and, the well, mainly the wide receivers. There's, I still haven't written up Jalen Waddle or Elijah Moore. I mean, so – and, and Ter- Terrace Marshall. So I need to get to those. And those are the, those are the profiles I'm going to dive into right after I get Mac Jones out of the way. And then I'm going to be taking, obviously, some time off um, – and and just kind of catching my breath and then and then after after I come back just I'm gonna actually continue with profiles it's gonna be you know post draft uh, profiles on these rookies and nice. and 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 just you know diving into some of the 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 deeper players and and seeing what what type of impact we can expect out of them. Nice man, yeah. Um, it, I like I first thing I think of is that Bart Scott gif where he's just like can't wait. So that's what I'm, that's, that's what I'm saying towards all of those post-draft profiles, man. So, um, and, and before we fully fly out, I just want to give a shout out to Viridian global for providing our merch. I mentioned them earlier. They also provide the fantasy points gear over at ViridianGlobal.com or on the fantasy points site. So go check them out. If you want to rock the gear, there's a ton of brands in there. You can get yourself some fantasy point stuff and some true North stuff, and then you're going to be swagged right out. So go check that out. Um, we also have a, uh, a sponsorship with Trophy Smack, so I would be remiss if I didn't mention them. Um, and that promo code for Trophy Smack is uh, is TNFF as well. And lastly, we are going to be hosting an NFL Draft live stream, so check in with us next week 
Thursday and Friday. We will be live during the first, uh, the day one and day two. Um, Ty's going to be a busy boy because we're podding on Wednesday and then he's doing both day one and day two of the, of the draft. I'm going to be skipping day one, unfortunately, but I'm going to be right in there for the hot and heaviness of the start of day two. So I'm super excited about that. So make sure you tune in and subscribe to the TNFF network to keep up with that. We'll be doing a draft preview on the Wednesday prior to the draft as well. So we have got you covered from Wednesday all well, actually Tuesday, because the gold jacket boys are potting as well. So pretty much Tuesday through Sunday, we got you covered with content. So make sure you subscribe and check out all of our content. But Ty, you got any uh, parting shots for the people or for West, my man? I do not. I just, yeah, I can't thank Wes enough for coming on. I uh, hope we can do it again soon. And if we didn't get to somebody that you were yeah. like, I hope they would talk to because it's a sleepers episode, hit us up on Twitter uh, or go to fantasypoints.com. If it's Simi Fico, Brennan Eagles, I'm sure Wes has already done uh, a profile on it. Yeah. 100%, 100%. He's pumping him out. All right. So thanks again to Wes Huber for joining us. Um, for Ty, I am Trab. We will see you guys next week. Peace.